0: Good evening, it is 5 p.m., and you're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's News Collective, composed of Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Erica Singh, and Mary McKetty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez. This week, we have several interviews that we'd like to feature. Starting off, we are going to introduce Dinah Jansen, who will be speaking with Karen Bertrand about several things that Queen's University is excited to announce.
1: Let's jump into it. Thank you so much. I'm Dinah Jansen. In recent Queen's University news, the Winnebago Area Health Authority, or WAHA, servicing the Cree people of James and Hudson Bay Lowlands, as well as Queen's University and the MasterCard Foundation, are partnering to transform health care in northeastern Ontario and to expand education and employment opportunities for Indigenous youth by creating the Queen's Winnebago Health Education Program. With us in this segment, we're chatting with Vice Principal Advancement Karen Bertrand of Queen's University about the new partnership to prepare Indigenous students for healthcare careers. So, Karen, can you tell us about the work Queen's Health Sciences will do with the Winnebago Area Health Authority to co-develop a decolonized curriculum for health professions training in the Western James Bay region and and the motivations for Queen's to engage in Mm. this project?
2: So, uh, let me begin, if I may, with the second part of the question uh, with respect to the motivations to engage in this project, because it really does Stem from what is now a five decade plus long relationship between uh, Queen's University and the Winnebago Area Health Authority, uh, whereby we have been uh, working with that community to support healthcare provision in the community and to um, train Indigenous youth in healthcare professions by having them come to uh, Kingston to uh, complete their education. This partnership is really about a next step in the evolution of that partnership, whereby we will be supporting the education of Indigenous youth from that community to become health professionals by completing their education in their community, and that hopefully then they will also be encouraged to stay and practice and support their communities with their healthcare services thereafter
1: tell us more about culturally informed and safe education and why this is critical for indigenous communities and patients
2: it is it is critical when you think that so much of our medical um, education and and training it is based on Eurocentric practices and and procedures some of which don't reconcile immediately or super well with indigenous cultures and one of the examples, that uh, Dr. David Taylor, who is uh, really leading up this initiative from the um, Queens Health Sciences side, one of the most um, uh, stark examples that he uses of this is the fact that our education system at, at Queens, like many other institutions, is based on a three term or three semester block in the year. In indigenous cultures, they uh, life and their practices at any one time are very much based in a Four Seasons perspective. So how do we reconcile those two things together and why can't we or how do we re- evolve the health education curriculum to be based on the Four season, uh priority that is the priority for and the perspective, sorry, that Indigenous um, uh, youth would be most comfortable in and 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 aware of. And now
1: Karen, can you tell us a little bit more about the partnerships with the Winnebago Area Health Authority and also the Mastercard Foundation?
2: So, in some ways very similar to the Winnebago Area Health Authority that has been a relationship that we've had for for 5 plus decades. The relationship between uh, Queen's University and the MasterCard Foundation, not quite as old, um, maybe because the foundation is not that old, uh, but we've had a relationship with the MasterCard Foundation since uh, 2017 and early conversations even, even before that. So, you know, the MasterCard Foundation has understood that Queen's was a place that is committed to and has demonstrated expertise In advancing some of the priorities that we both share and then when hearing about the uh, long-standing relationship that Queen's has with the Winnebago Area Health Authority, really then we just started to have a conversation about what would be possible if and with the support of the MasterCard Foundation, what could we actually do to advance and evolve that relationship that we already have with with Waha into something that is even more impactful and what could ultimately be a bit of a blueprint for Indigenous communities across the country.
1: Amazing, thank you. Anything else to add before we close?
2: I will just say that having been in uh, Musini and Moose Factory uh, this week to celebrate the announcement with the community, you know, certainly, I had heard about the five-decade-plus uh, relationship. That's a factoid that many of us can talk about. I can tell you, though, having spoken with the people and and toured uh, some of the high schools and and the hospital in the community, the amount of involvement of our Queens Health Sciences uh, professionals in that community and the impact that our um, educators and researchers are having in this community already is exceptional. It's something that I don't think many people really were aware of. I certainly wasn't aware of the depth of the relationship before the visit this week. And I think it is something that um, it bodes very well for what we will be able to achieve and how we will be able to move forward the vision that is this new partnership.
1: Thanks so much. Now, following our chat with Vice Principal Advancement Karen Bertrand about the new Queen's Winnebago Health Education Program, we're also chatting with her today about Queen's alumnus Bruce Mitchell, who has just recently deepened his personal commitment to research at Queen's University with a transformational $30 million investment that will enhance the university's ability to conduct impactful research across many fields of inquiry and jumpstart its research enterprise with a significant injection of world-class talent. So, Karen, for the benefit of our Queen's and community listeners, can you tell us more about Bruce Mitchell and his connections to Queen's University?
2: Happy to. So, Bruce is an alumnus of Queen's. He is a Sci-68 graduate, and he has been uh, engaged with his class and with the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science since graduation, uh, both in terms of uh, through, you know, reunions and organizing reunions as an alumni volunteer he has also been um, very active in university governance. So he has been a university counselor. He has been a, a board of trustees member. He has been awarded um, an honorary doctorate from the university, and he has been a, a significant supporter of the university over, the, uh, over his, his past time as well. So he's somebody that is very known to us and, and somebody that we certainly value within the, the broader Queens community.
1: And now, how will his major gift support faculty, graduate, and postdoctoral research at Queen's University?
2: Mm -hmm. So, that's going to do that in a couple of different ways. I would say that there are three buckets, if I may. So, there are um, the first bucket will be to support some existing faculty that we already have here who are doing exceptional work in areas of of critical importance to um, improve uh, society. And that support will include both research support for the uh, faculty members themselves, but it will also include support for uh, graduate students and postdoctoral fellows to work in the labs of those nine faculty members. The second bucket is very similar, but it will be to recruit new faculty members to Queen's. Uh, And again, there will be uh, um, support for the faculty member themselves and their research program. There will also be support for those faculty members to um, hire graduate students and postdoctoral fellows. It is all premised on the vision that um, research is advanced and we can accelerate the impact of research by putting people on that research and supporting them to be focusing on the research as opposed to trying to find additional resources to support uh, their labs and and their work. The third bucket of support will be to uh, further amplify the increases to our graduate student enrollment through additional support for uh, grad students and more uh, postdoctoral uh, fellows. So all told, uh, we will have net new, uh, just over 50 uh, postdoctoral uh, fellows supported through this gift as well as almost 80 uh, new graduate students and the 18 faculty members who will be supported in total. And now, what
1: impacts do you think that uh, Bruce Mitchell's investment will have for improvements in areas, including environmental sustainability or health and patient care or the development of advanced technologies? Mm -hmm. Where are we going?
2: You know what? That is a question that um, Bruce certainly asks as well and he wants our researchers to answer that question of the where are we going. What Bruce sees as his role is providing the resources to take away that barrier of financial limitation in order to advance the research that we are already doing in those areas that you have identified. So we will be taking areas of, of strength and expertise that Queen's already has and providing them the additional resources to really propel the research forward in whatever may make sense based on the research um, mandates of those particular faculty members and, and graduate students.
1: Thank you so much. Anything else to add about this major gift and its impact?
2: What I will say um, is, that, is that this uh, gift, while the monetary amount is, is significant, I think it is particularly notable that uh, Bruce is supporting the research mandate for the university in particular. That is something that uh, is a key, key, key uh, component of the strategic framework for the university. And this is what I hope is just the beginning of uh, some great philanthropic support to help move our research uh, operation forward.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining us today here on CFRC, Karen, and giving us so much of your valuable time and insights. We appreciate it.
2: My pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity to share these stories.
1: And now over to Erica Singh with more in Queens University Campus News.
3: Hello and welcome to Campus Corner here on CFRC. Today I'm joined in studio by Claire Campbell, who is here to talk about a charity concert. Hi Claire, how's it going? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me today. Great, so do you just mind talking a bit about yourself? Can you please introduce yourself?
4: Yeah, my name is Claire Campbell. I'm currently in my fourth year of Life Sciences here at Queen's, and I'm the Events Director of the Queen's Chapter of Friends of MSF, or Doctors Without Borders. So tell us a bit about the cause and the charity concert. Yeah, so this year is our second annual, uh, well, I guess not quite annual because of COVID, but the second annual Rockters Without Borders charity concert. Um, And this is in support of the humanitarian organization uh, Doctors Without Borders. And the charity concert is just basically showcasing a lot of local Queens bands and local Kingston bands Uh, and just to support their causes and their initiatives which bring uh, medical relief to countries in crisis. So how did this event come to be? Actually, um, one of my good friends, Julia McKenna, and former president of uh, the chapter here at Queen's, she started this concert back in my first year, so three years ago. And um, we were trying to do it every year, but with COVID, it got shut down and we're just bringing it back up. So thanks to Julia, we started this concert and we're just trying to continue a tradition.
3: And since this is your second time doing this concert,
4: what have you learned since then? And what have you done differently this time? Mm -hmm. So I wasn't actually part of the club officially at the time. Um, But looking back on what Julia talked about and when I sat down with her, we really just tried to focus on bringing a lot more like local Queens bands um, and students to the stage uh, because the whole point of the event is to raise money for a great cause, but also to showcase some amazing talent that we have here on campus. So, yeah, that's kind of what we did differently. Um, In previous years, it was 24 hours, but this year we are doing two days instead to hopefully have a better turnout and make it a little bit more exciting. Although the 24 hours may be back in a couple of years from now.
3: So when is the concert?
4: Yeah, so um, there's two days of this concert. The first day is Friday, March 10th. Doors open at 7 o'clock and the music will be playing... Uh, from 8 until 1 a.m., and that's at Something in the Water Brewing Company on Princess Street. And then the second day of the concert is on Sunday, March 12th. It is also from 7 till uh, just midnight, since it is a Sunday. And that is at the Merchant Tap House, also on Princess Street, just down by the water there. And who are performing this year? Yeah, we have a lot of amazing performers, uh, so I'll just list them off, uh, starting with the Friday, March 10th, we have Victoria Olassini and Christine Kim, who are doing some solo sort of pianist music. Uh, Sam K. and Sid K., two sisters, also singing. We have Grace and Martin, the Paper Bag Princes, Mobius Trip, and Ducks in the Attic on the Friday. And then on the Sunday, we have Cole LeBlanc doing some music by himself. Uh, Dante, who's going to do some classic hip-hop rap, and then Ronan Offman, the Garvin Brothers, and the Retrofits. So a lot of amazing students and local bands for you to see.
3: That sounds like a great lineup. So tell me a bit about the Queen's Friends of the MSF Club.
4: Yeah, so uh, like I said before, we are a chapter of Friends of MSF, which is essentially a Sort of nationwide um, organization partnering um, with our parent organization, Docs Without Borders. And essentially what the club does is it raises awareness around global health initiatives and global education, um, as well as raises funds to support Doctors Without Borders. Like I said, their initiatives bring medical relief to countries in crisis. Uh, So that could be anything from an environmental disaster, such as the hurricane in Haiti, for example, they were there, um, as well as in any war-torn country, such as Afghanistan or any conflict-ridden areas in the world that need support. Mm -hmm.
3: So tell me a bit about yourself, how you got involved in this, and how more Queen students can get involved in the organization.
4: Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm very interested in um, medical and sort of global health aspects, um, as well as I had a really uh, big interest in getting involved uh, at Queen's here. So my interest in global health and global engagement, as well as just my interest in science sort of drew me towards the club. And then like I mentioned before, um, my good friend Julia sort of introduced me to MSF and I got involved in my first year a little bit and then sort of just followed along every year reapplying for the club. And it's been an amazing opportunity. And I highly recommend a lot of other students get involved. You don't necessarily need to be interested in sciences or healthcare in general, but there's a lot of great opportunities for everyone and it's of every background. Uh, So if you're interested in being a part of the club, either as a general member or as an exec, you can head over to our Instagram at queens underscore F-O-M-S-F and we'll have our exec hiring and general members hiring in the next couple months. So that's very exciting. And if you're ever interested or want to learn more, feel free to DM us. Mm -hmm. And can you just tell me any social media handles you have? Yeah, of course. Um, So like I just mentioned, we have Instagram, which is our sort of most active social media. And that is at queens, Q-U-E-E-N-S underscore F-O-M-S-F. And then um, for the concert specifically, we do have a Facebook event. So if you search Rockters Without Borders Charity Concert, uh, there's an event page that will come up and you can learn a lot more
3: there. Sounds great. So before we say goodbye today, do you have anything else
4: you want to add? yeah of course um if you're interested in purchasing tickets for the concert feel free to head over to our instagram the link is in our bio as well as that facebook page that i just meant it, mentioned rockters without borders charity concert and yeah feel free to see us also in the arc on march 8th and march 9th Purch- purchase your tickets in person we are doing some amazing giveaways at the event as well so feel free to attend and another thing is if you come out and support the event there are special drinks that the uh, bars are offering where one dollar from each drink goes to charity so overall it's just an amazing cause and we really hope to see you there to support our bands and also to support our club thank you so much
3: great thank you so much for coming in today claire
4: thank you so much for having me
3: once again that was claire campbell from the msf charity concert make sure to purchase your tickets today and tomorrow and attend the concert this weekend that's all for Campus Corner today. Now over to Zayden Vargara with a feature interview.
5: Thank you, Erica. I am now joined by the Global Biomedical Design Conference, or GBDC, headed by your two MCs, Kenneth Paul and Julian Chanel. How are you guys doing today?
6: Hey, Zayden. Thanks for having us here this morning. Um, we're doing great. Very excited to be on the show today.
5: So, can you tell me what exactly is the, uh, is the conference?
6: Of course, yeah, so the GBDC, also known as the Global Biomedical Design Conference, is an event dedicated to showcasing and promoting new and innovative biomedical designs. Uh, every year, we try and take one health topic uh, and cover it as much as we can. Um, we bring together experts, professionals, researchers, and students, um, and try to kind of have them uh, showcase their designs, uh, share knowledge, ideas, and experiences. Um, so yeah, and our conference is this weekend. March 11th and 12th, Um, and yeah, we can get into the topic of the conference as well.
5: Yeah, that's awesome, because you mentioned we have the topic every single year, so what is the topic of this year's conference? Of course,
6: Um, so the topic of this year's conference, which is something I'm really excited for, uh, is Innovating the Future of Mental Health, Exploring Drug Development, Drug Regulation, and Psychedelic Therapy as a Case Study.
7: Now this is a topic very close to our hearts, uh, every year in September we, we sit down and choose a topic that's really pressing, that's really innovative, and as, as you may have heard in the news, um, psychedelics are really on the horizon of therapeutics, of medicine, and uh, we wanted to address that, mental health is something very near to our hearts, so psychedelics fits into that picture, and um, you'll be hearing a lot more of psychedelics in the, in the next few few years.
5: So you mentioned that you have experts coming to the event. Uh, can you tell me what type of experts we have attending?
6: Of course. So we have um, four great keynote speakers lined up for this year's conference. Starting off, we have Corey Firth. Um, he is a human impact and community builder, um, and he's going to be going into the more of the background history of psychedelics. Um, he also battled with depression for 20 years. Uh, and then stumbled upon psychedelics and it really helped them out a lot. Uh, he also used to be the executive director of the Canadian Psychedelic Association. Um, so he definitely has a lot of background knowledge uh, on psychedelics. Um, and then we have some more speakers. We have um, Dr. Human who's a psychiatrist, so he's going to kind of go over the more traditional um, ways of treating mental health. And then we have um, Dr. Jaipreet. Um, she is going to be actually showcasing her brand new um, research that she's going to be doing for her PhD that hasn't been released yet. So we're going to get a first first time look at the GBDC conference. Um, and then we also have Andrew Charette, who's an expert in regulatory processes um, specifically for cannabis, um, but he's going to be talking more just general terms uh, about regulation for drugs um, with a little bit of a focus on psychedelics, because that is something going through the phase one, phase two, phase three testing trials right now.
7: Now, these speakers were selected to give you a, a well-rounded idea and picture of what the industry will look like in the next five to ten years. So, we're, we're looking forward to having these speakers here in Kingston this this weekend, Saturday, Sunday.
5: Yeah. Well, awesome. It seems like there's a lot of cool people coming to the event. And it, one of the things that caught my eye when I was looking at the uh, information, I, I really liked that uh, there was a case study involved. and. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the case competition and how it fits into the schedule of the day?
6: Yeah, Um, so yeah, the GBDC Case Comp is a very integral part of the conference. It uh, gives the attendees a chance to kind of put their knowledge and their skills to the test uh, with a real-world open-ended problem. Um, This year we're super excited to have the Case Competition uh, on Psychedelics. We can't give too much information away um, because we want you to take everything in and then, you know, pick the ones you want to apply yourself. Um, But that's going to be happening on day two of the conference. Uh, we're going to have a panel of judges, ranging uh, range from like PhD, master's students. Uh, we might have one of the speakers there as one of the judges. Um, but that's a surprise for when you actually attend the conference. Um, but yeah, they'll be evaluating all the presentations at the end. Uh, and then they'll also, the delegates will have a chance to win and split a cash prize. Um, we should add as like a little bit of a incentive to, you know, yeah. put up, <laughs> put, put your best foot forward, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it
5: sounds absolutely awesome. And, uh. How can people sign up and what is included in signing up? Right,
6: so signing up, very straightforward. Just go to our website queens.gbdc.ca Um, And what you get when you sign up, other than the ticket, of course, is you get to come to our conference, listen to our four great experts uh, in their fields. We're going to have a lunch-slash-networking period, actually, which is something that we can only do because it's our first in-person conference. Um, So we'll have about an hour and a half. We'll have full catered lunch. Uh, You'll get to network with uh, all the other delegates there, as well as the speakers, which I'm sure everyone's going to be looking forward to. Uh, And then you get... um, to show up on day two and put your put your best foot forward at the case competition, hopefully win some prizes. Um, and yeah, that's what you get to sign up for this weekend. And the tickets are only five
5: dollars. Honestly, I have not gone for a lunch that is less than five dollars exactly. before. Exactly,
6: and it's full cater. We'll have sushi, sandwiches. You'll find out when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but come on, five dollars yeah. for the tickets. Can't. It's a win win
7: situation. It's um, gonna be a great conference. Great weekend. Uh, hopefully, you guys will come out and see Kenneth and I emcee this event. We're looking forward to having you. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Generally, Sunday, uh, the case competition is some of our delegates' favorite. favorite. They get to put their newfound knowledge to use. It looks great on the resume, building, team building, a lot of networking going on. We hope to see you there, guys.
5: Thank you both for coming in. I've had an absolute blast talking about the GBDC conference. And if you do want to sign up, go to queens.gbdc.ca. Only $5 tickets. But on that note, we're going to switch right on over to the CFRC Sports Roundup. Last Thursday, your Queen's Golden Gales women's basketball team hosted the Carlton Ravens for the Cortelli Cup Championship. The intensity in the opening few seconds would set the stage for the rest of the game. Both teams played aggressively, fighting for possession at every opportunity. Bella Belvedere kick-started the game by hitting two free throws to put Queens in the lead. Next up was Belvedere's fast break and Julia Chadwick followed that with a basket on the take, making the score 6-0. The energy in the crowd was absolutely electric. With over 2,000 in attendance, the arc was roaring with excitement. Queens kept it close trailing by four going to the third quarter, but Carlton came out even stronger in the third quarter by building their lead to eight points. Pressure was high in the fourth quarter. Carlton kept their lead, but with the crowd behind them, Queens kept up the intensity. Unfortunately, Carlton stayed in a comfortable 10-point lead for the majority of the quarter after the minute 12 mark, Queens called a timeout in attempt to turn things around, but couldn't close the gap. The game ended with a score of 70 to 57 for the Ravens. With the focus now shifting towards the U Sports Final Eight Women's Basketball Championship, here are some highlights from my post-game interview with Head Coach Claire Meadows. All right, Coach, um, tough loss today, but uh, luckily it's not the end of the season. We still have nationals to look forward to. I was wondering if you could tell us just our roadmap uh, from now to nationals
1: yeah I think it's a, it's a quick turnaround um, we're, we're on a flight Monday morning to Cape Breton um, and just using moving forward is using this game to fuel us right um, we obviously had a goal tonight um, you know that, that we didn't accomplish and but our season's not over right and we have some very important games in front of us so it's about regrouping and, and fueling us for what's ahead.
5: The Queen's women's basketball team has since earned the number 3 seed in the U Sports Women's Basketball Final 8 Championship and will open up the national championship tournament against the number 6 seed UQAM Citedins later this week in Sydney, Nova Scotia. On that note, that's all for your CFRC sports coverage. Now over to Mary McKetty with a weather update.
8: Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty and this is your CFRC weather report. Wednesday evening, we will experience cloudy conditions with winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. We reach a low of minus 6 with a wind chill of minus 5 increasing to minus 10 overnight. Thursday morning will be cloudy as we climb to a high of plus 1 by the afternoon. Thursday night will remain cloudy and we will reach a low of minus 7. Now over to Alex with our traffic report.
0: Thank you so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here is your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Jackson Mills Road from MacGyver to Burbrook will be closed until this Friday, March 10th. King Street from Place Arms to the Tragically Hip Way will be closed on Wednesday, March 8th from 12.01am to 11.59pm for the Blippy event at the Leon Centre. Lower Brewer Swingbridge will be closed until further notice, University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until April 31st, and Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until October 31st, 2023. The School Streets Initiative is still in place. The following streets are closed from 8.40am to 9.10am and 3.20pm to 3.50pm on weekdays until June 29th. Macdonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. The Play Street Initiative is also in place. Thomas Street from Cowdy to Patrick will be closed from 3.30pm to 5.30pm on Mondays until August 28th. The Chow Memorial Parking Structure Restoration Project is expected to get underway in the coming weeks. The work will take place throughout all the levels of the building and will include different efforts. The work is expected to begin early this month and conclude in late December. This means that phased work areas will occupy a maximum of 25% of the available parking stalls at a time, meaning up to 115 spaces will be out of commission in the Chow Memorial parking structure. There is parking availability at the Hanson Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial Parking Garage in the two adjacent blocks to the east. Other delays that you can expect this week, Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, you can expect delays, construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. And in terms of the Portsmouth Waterfront Pathway to accommodate pathway and shoreline improvements, the city has closed access to the pathway at the foot of Mowat Avenue and Young Street as well as east of Lake Watch Lane. That's your weekly traffic report and now let's throw it over to Mary McKetty with our events calendar for the week. Thank you so much. I'm Mary McKetty
8: and this is your events calendar for the week. This Wednesday, various women's organizations at Queen's University will be hosting a networking and information session at the Biosciences Complex, located at 116 Berry Street. This session will include speeches, an interactive art activity, and casual style refreshments to celebrate the hashtag Embrace theme of International Women's Day 2023. Make sure to register for free online at eventbrite.ca, and that's E-V-E-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E.ca. From Thursday to Saturday, the Vogue Charity Fashion Show is hosting its 26th annual student-run fashion show in association with Pathways to Education Kingston. This year's theme is titled Saw You in a Dream, which explores how the act of escapism brings out our most creative self through various artistic displays. This event can be viewed in person at the Kingston Grand Theatre, located at 218 Princess Street, or online by securing tickets at kingstongrand.ca slash events. Speaking of artistic displays, this Friday, your very own CFRC radio station will be hosting our Rocking the Cosmos live music event at the Grad Club, located at 162 Barry Street. We've got you covered with rock and alternative goodness from the Astros, the No Fly, and the Winter in Canada. Tickets are 10 to $15 and are only available at the door, so make sure to arrive by 8pm in order to get yours. Coming up on Saturday, the Kingston Pump House, located at 23 Ontario Street, is hosting its 19-plus Beer and Bacteria event. This event overviews the history of alcohol consumption and significance of breweries in Kingston through a series of interactive activities, such as a curator Q&A period and two complimentary drink tickets from local breweries. This event takes place from 7 to 10 p.m., with $25 tickets available online at kingstonpumphouse.ca. This Sunday, Queens Motion Ball, in association with Asante Wealth Management, will be hosting its Marathon of Sport at the Queens Athletics and Recreation Center, located at 284 Earl Street. Motion Ball is a nonprofit organization that raises awareness for and funds for the Special Olympics through events such as the Marathon of Sport. The marathon will take place across 18 cities nationwide, and you can get involved by checking out the Queen's Ball Instagram page, found with handle at queensumotionball, with no capitals, spaces, or punctuation in the username. I'm Mary McKetty, and those are all the events we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next.